You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey to all of our people watching all around the world. We're normally uh, not this unorganized. We're doing the best we can with what we got. If your tithe dollars would have been stronger... We could afford better equipment. So we're going to talk about giving today. Let the, let the spirit move. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a good day. Hey, I wanted to say, hey, a special welcome to all of our people out at Lake of the Pines watching today. Bunch of lazy bums. Sitting out by the lake. Oh, we're watching you online. I want to be there. Nobody invited me. Anyways, we're so glad that you could tune in from wherever you are. Hope you all get sunburned. Grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to spend some time in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to continue on with our series called 911 When All Hell Breaks Loose. 911 When All Hell Breaks Loose. We're talking about the keys to spiritual warfare. We're talking about what do we use, what tactics do we use, what strategies do we use when all hell breaks loose. And like we've, like we've seen in God's Word, it's not just a matter of, of when it's, it's going to happen, but we expect it. We know it's going to be there. It's not if, it's when. And so there are things that we need to learn, things that need to be at the basic foundation of our theology to help us navigate through when all hell breaks loose. So there are things that you've learned as a kid. There's things I've learned as a kid. There's things that you absolutely needed to know. There's things that you thought you needed to know that you didn't really need to know. Things like quicksand and how to get out of quicksand. I I thought when I was little this was going to be extremely important when I became an adult that I would have to know how to get out of quicksand. Anybody else ever had that thought? Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I thought for sure adults wandered into quicksand all the time. I've never been in quicksand. I hope to never be in quicksand, but I know how to get out of it if I were to be in quicksand. I learned that rocks are not supposed to go in your nose. Anybody else ever have that uh, occur to them? Rocks don't belong in your nose. I didn't know that. Um, I stuck a rock so far up my nose one time, and this was last year. That, this, that's not true. I was just a kid. I walk into my parents. I'm like, this is something stuck in my nose. So they, you know, shine a light. They're like, why do you have a rock in your nose? Like, it fit in there. I don't know. And I had this rock so far. But they, so they were trying to use tweezers and trying to push this and push that nothing would happen. So they finally had to take me to the doctor. My parents know this. They're actually watching today. They had to take me to the doctor. And uh, he says, well, I guess we're going to have to get some surgery. Like, this is way up in there. So um, he goes to try to prepare me for surgery. And I sneezed. And it came out. And I saw in that moment what it meant to be angry and happy at the same time. My parents were super happy that that rock came out, super angry. They still had to pay the bill. Like, how does a doctor charge for that? How do you, like, this was still an emergency room visit. We had to charge you 400 bucks. Like, for a sneeze? I'll give this one to you for free. So anyways, uh, there were things that I learned as a kid, things that I had to experience as a kid, but when do we learn spiritual warfare? When are these things taught to us? When are, when are we recogni- uh, recognizing how important it is to be able to operate in a spiritual battlefield? And so in Luke chapter 8, Jesus begins to give some principles to his disciples, begins to explain to them in depth of what it means to recognize the attacks of the enemy. He shows them how important it is to understand his schemes. Jesus gives this parable of a farmer scattering seed. 
And in it, he details Satan's war to keep believers immature and powerless and defeated. You see, when all hell breaks loose, I think many believers don't know how to access power. We don't know how to win. We're hoping. It's maybe. Let's try something. But there are some biblical facts. There is a a strategy to be able to beat the enemy at his own game. And I believe that God wants to show you that. And one of the ways is to get you into God's word. Better yet, to get God's word into you. You see, Satan's goal, please write this down. Satan's goal is to keep you from God's word. It's that simple. It's that basic. It is extremely important that you recognize Satan does not want you reading God's word. He doesn't want you understanding it. He certainly does not want you living it. He doesn't want you applying it. He doesn't want you memorizing it. He doesn't want you speaking it. There's power in God's word. In 2 Timothy, uh, Paul writes this, that all scripture is God-breathed. Somebody say God-breathed. God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. That means that the moment that you open this up, God is breathing life into you. And on Genesis chapter 2, God breathes life into Adam. And he becomes not just a, a piece of dust, but he becomes a man the moment that God breathes life into him. And every time you open up God's word, God literally breathes into your spirit. He breathes his life into you. All scripture is God-breathed. We need the breath of God. We need God breathing into our lives. We need God speaking into every part of who we are and what we're doing. You need this. I need this. The enemy knows the importance of what happens in a life of a believer when you breathe in God's word. It is powerful. He will do anything to keep you from God's word. There's a reason why you have to find a way to fit God's word into your schedule. There's a reason why things compete for the time in your word. There's a reason why when you open it, you get distracted and things pop into your mind. You have a list of things to do or your kids will come and all hell will just break loose the moment that you start opening up your Bible. It'll happen. Because all scripture is God-breathed and there's an attack to keep you from God's word. So in uh, Luke chapter 8, Jesus talks about the importance of, of knowing God's word and allowing God's word to produce great things into your life. And so he gives this parable to the crowd of a farmer scattering seed. Some of the seed finds great roots and, and it produces great things. Other seed just gets snatched away or gets burned up by the sun. Some of it gets uh, taken by birds. And so Jesus is, is, is preaching this parable. And then later on, he goes more in-depth with his disciples when they say, we didn't quite understand what, what does that mean What's the importance behind this? And so Jesus breaks this down, starting in verse 11. He explains it further to his disciples. Verse 11, it says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. I want you to notice uh, it says seed is the word. The word is a seed. Seed is the word. The bird is not the word. (laughs) The seed is the word. So I'll give you full permission to underline that in your Bible. The seed, Jesus said, is the word of God. The word of God is seed. Seed is designed to produce. It's designed to multiply. It's designed to grow. It needs to take root. The seed is the word of God. And it says those along the path are the ones who hear. And then, look at this, the devil comes. Notice Jesus says, then. The devil comes. He doesn't say if. He says, then he comes. Look at the enemy's attack on the word. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they might not believe and be saved. 
Here's the second category. Jesus says those are on rocky ground. Those are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Not if time of testing comes, when it comes. You and I have both been in places where we knew what to do, but a time of testing came and we forgot. Life got rough and we started relying on stuff like common sense or what my mom and dad would tell me to do. We start relying on, well, this is what my friends did or somebody else walked through that and this is what they did. It, it, this must be the way to go. So there's the seed, there's the word of God, what God tells us to do. And if it doesn't take root in our hearts, times of testing will come. You're gonna walk through times of testing. And then what God has said, if you don't receive that, it says here, it finds no root. And the time of testing causes them to fall away. Look at, at, at the third category here. It says, the seed that fell along thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, look at this, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasure, and they do not mature. Notice this, it's not all bad things. He says, you're choking on life's riches and pleasures, the good parts of life, the things you prayed for, the blessings that you asked God for end up being the keys that keep you from being more mature. If you don't have the word deeply implanted in you, it says even the good things can become a curse. Do you see this? Is this okay? So Jesus is explaining this to his disciples. He said, this is what happens the moment that the word of God goes out. There's an attack on it. Then he says this, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain the word, and by persevering, produce a crop. Seed is designed to find roots and to produce a crop, to produce more than just one seed. No seed just produces a one-to-one -one ratio. It, it expands, it multiplies. The moment that it takes good root and begins to grow. You know, that is a metaphor for what Christ is speaking about is supposed to happen in each of our lives. Your life was designed to make a difference, to produce something more than just you. We want you to make a difference with the time that you have left. All of us have an expiration date. But yet somehow we get this thing lodged in our minds where at some point I'll serve the Lord with all of my heart. At some point, maybe after I retire, then I'll have time to do what God has called me to do. No, he says that once that root begins to blossom in your life, it's going to produce. And it's producing good things. Things that were planted as seed by the word of God. So I want to give you what, I want to give you four keys that, uh, things that are, we're to think about, strategies that we're to apply when all hell breaks loose in our life. We're to understand the attack that the enemy has on the word of God, keeping us away from it. So what happens when I find myself in the middle of a spiritual battle? Now notice I'm not talking about what happens do I find myself in the middle of a bad day because there are some things Let's just, let's, let's just get this out right now. Some things are not the devil. They're just you. It's just you. You want to be mad, and you're mad. You wanna, you, you're the one that went to bed with your hair and curlers. You knew what it was going to look like. That ain't the devil. That's you. You got to figure it out now. You're the one that decided not to fill up with gas on your way home yesterday. I'll do it in the morning. That's you. That's not the devil. You're the one that saw the low pressure on, in your tires. That's not the devil. That's you. You're the one that ate gas station sushi. 
oh, the devil's a liar today. Like, no, he, even the devil ain't dumb enough to do that. Four keys for when all hell breaks loose. If you're a note taker, this is important for you to understand. You need to know these things. And as your pastor, I want to challenge you. I want to push you. I want to beg you to take these keys that Jesus is pouring out to his disciples and apply these to your life. Not for if all hell breaks loose. When it breaks loose, you need to know what to do. Some of you are walking through hell right now. Instead of just, instead of being critical of everybody and everything, instead of looking around at the people that you don't like in this room, write a couple notes down. This will help you. This will give you a way out. This helps me help you. It makes it easier for me to pastor. Because you're doing the things that I would tell you to do. You don't need my advice. Just read it for yourself. Here's the four keys that I want to make sure that you see. Number one, if you're a note taker, write this down. I will expect an early attack. Notice Jesus says in this very first category, the seed goes out, the word goes out, and here comes the enemy. He attacks early. And by the way, I could show you dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures where the enemy always attacks on the front end. Expect instantaneous almost pushback the moment that you determine you're going to do something that the Lord tells you to do. Expect pushback. It is supposed to happen. The moment that you get your life in a place where you're like, I'm going to take this step of faith, here comes the enemy. I guarantee it. It's supposed to happen because now you're a threat. Let me remind you of this. Nehemiah didn't get any kind of attack until he started rebuilding a wall. The attacks that are happening on your marriage, just just get yourself in a little bit of counseling and watch what happens. Like things were better before we got into counseling. No, they weren't. You just learned how to deal with them in a way that just kept the peace. You're not making no progress. You start actually dealing with stuff, expect an attack. The enemy loves to attack on the front end. Scripture after scripture after scripture proves this. Adam and Eve, before they get wise, before they really understand the ways of the world, here comes the enemy on the front end. Moses, here comes a decree. All children under the age of of two have to be put to death. And so his mother makes a basket, puts him in it, floats him down the river, and God spares his life. While children are being killed, there's an attack on children. There's an attack on babies. There's an attack on teenagers. The enemy loves to get them early. He did the same thing with you. Don't act like he didn't. There's an attack on the front end. Why? Because John 10, 10, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And by the way, stealing, killing, destroying is much easier when you're doing it to people that don't know any difference, when they're immature. It's easier to do it on the front end before people are like, hey, you know what? We should perhaps set an alarm. Maybe we should get some self-defense, or maybe we should put a wall around this. It's much easier to attack, to steal, to kill, and destroy on the front end before it realizes its potential. You know, I, I, I have the, the honor of being the older brother. I have a younger brother, and uh, I could make my younger brother do whatever I wanted when I, was, when I was little, and then there was a point where he wasn't little brother anymore. There's something very, there's something very real that God does. I think it's this, this cosmic joke that he plays that those little brothers grow up to be the monsters. They get all the size. Like, I thought I was big brother, and I'm growing fast, and all of a sudden, he had about 13. It's like, uh-oh. You ain't going to bully him no more. You might be big brother, but you better say please and thank you. You better say yes, sir, because little brother doesn't realize he's a monster now, and he can whoop you anytime that he wants. Anybody else been there? How many of you were the little brother, and you, you had that growth spurt, and you had to realize, wait a minute, why am I taking, where are you? Might be older. That doesn't mean you're bigger. I could probably take you. 
I want you to know this. Satan recognizes your potential before you do. Satan recognizes your potential before you do. So here's, here's the battle. Here's the battle that Satan, that Satan tries to wage against God's people. The battle is to keep me from ever getting started. To never do the work. To never begin anything. To keep me stuck. And he'll put the label on it of comfort. I don't want to do the work. I'm comfortable here. We just get used to managing. So here's the battle to never get started. So I can expect hell when I take a faith step of any size. I can expect an early attack. So if I expect it, if I know it's coming, it doesn't take me by surprise. It actually makes me more determined because I knew it was coming. Here it is. Here's what I'm supposed to do. What else you got? I wish more believers could, could understand this because we get so discouraged. The moment we determine, we determine we're going to take a step of faith and then something happens, you're like, oh, well, you know, hey, I tried it. It's not my cup of tea. I expect an attack on the front end, and I'll never get started. I won't even take the smallest of steps. Let me just remind you, even the smallest of steps bring joy to the Lord. When you take a step, the simplest, smallest step of faith that matters to God. Look at this scripture in Zechariah 4. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Just start. Just try. But there's an attack. It's supposed to happen. Expect it. Keep going. I will expect an early attack, and I'll keep going. Here's the second key I want to show you. What happens when all hell breaks loose? I will expect an early attack. Number two, I will deepen and strengthen my roots. It's not going to burn me out. It's not going to cause me to quit. It's not going to get me to back up. I'm going to go in deeper. I'm going to get stronger. I expect the attack, and I will deepen and strengthen my roots. So here's the second group that Jesus points out. He says they didn't last because they didn't have any root. See, that seed fell on rocky ground. And let me just tell you, life gets rocky. It gets rocky. It gets rough. You thought it was only for you. It's not, it's not all about you. I'm just telling you, if we had time to go around this room and talk about rocky life, all of us would say, no, that's not happening years ago. It's happening today. All of us have issues and stuff that you're dealing with and walking through. You're not alone. Life gets rocky, and it's difficult when we allow life's rocky situations to snatch the word from our hearts and to get us to back up. So Jesus says here, it's like they didn't have any roots. So it leads me to a question, how do I deepen my spiritual roots? How do I go stronger in, into my root system? How do I make sure that I'm dug in really, really good and tight? And that's the mission of our church, to make sure that you get dug in like a tick. Don't act like you never had a tick before. You hadn't been in Texas very long. You're going to get a tick. I rode a horse one time and got a tick on my backside, and I was 10 years old. Had to call my mom into the bathroom with me to look at it, which is embarrassing for any 10-year-old. I don't care. I don't care where you came from. Like, a 10-year-old does not want to have their mom look at their backside. I was like, Mom, something's wrong. She's like, oh, that's a tick. Oh, it's huge. And I'm like, oh, it's a tick. I don't know. Ugh. That thing was dug in there. Like, it's here to stay. It's part of you now. <laughs> Just name it. Right? No, Jesus said, I want you to deepen and strengthen your roots. This is our mission as a church to help you get strong, to help you deepen your roots. We want to plug you into a group. 
We want to get you to our growth track. We want to help you become part of a, a, a community where you have people that can be like iron sharpening iron, people that you can talk to and people that can talk to you. We need each other. And by the way, point number one, the moment you determine you're going to get into a group or take a step of faith, expect an attack. Expect it. You're going to walk into that group the first week and be like, I don't like you. I don't like you. I used to date you in high school. This person probably had a cat. I can feel it in my allergies. And guess what? They're probably doing the same thing with you. (laughs) Expect an attack. You're not going to like it. It's not comfortable. And it's good for you. And it's extremely biblical. As part of you deepening and strengthening your roots, you need this. We want to get you on a serve team, part of our dream team. We want you serving. I want you to recognize the importance of what happens when you step outside of yourself and start helping somebody else that's probably in a worse situation than you. Things get really, really clear when you start helping somebody else. We want to show you how to strengthen your root system, and we're going to get you plugged in as fast as possible. Let me make sure you see it this way. Our mission as a church is to plant deep roots as quickly as possible. You need deep roots because life's going to get rocky. I want you in a group. I want you serving. And there's going to be attack on both. There's going to be attack when you determine you're going to tithe. It's going to make you question. You're going to have a financial issue that comes up. You're like, oh, if I'd have just not given that money to to ministry or to a church, I'd have had that to come in right. You're going to have it. You're going to have that moment where the enemy attacks your step of faith. But we're deepening your root system. Let me tell you, how do I know it's deeper? I don't know it's stronger because when that attack comes, you can recognize it and say, wait a minute. That's the enemy. That's supposed to happen. And I'm going to dig in like a tick. This is spiritual warfare. I will deepen and strengthen my roots. You see, the enemy knows the power of believing God's word and taking a step of faith. He knows what's going to happen when you start doing that. And he attacks it. You need to get deeper. And you get stronger. Jesus one time was approached by people that said, oh, your mother is so blessed. He said, you know what's more blessed than being my mom? Hearing, believing my word and putting it into practice. That's in Luke chapter 11. He said, that's what real blessing is because it produces something in your life. When you hear it, you retain it. Put it into practice. So I want to make sure that you see this, that your, your call is to go deeper with the Lord. And by the way, if you've been walking with God for five minutes or for 50 years, you can always go deeper in your relationship with the Lord. There is no end to his depth. You haven't learned it all. You haven't seen it all. You haven't heard it all. You haven't experienced it all. There's no such thing. There's always more. There's always more. I can always go deeper in my walk with the Lord. Here's number three, the third key. This is perhaps the most important thing that I'm going to say today. This is really important. If you've not taken any notes till now, now, please, please take this because this is important and people don't teach this. I'm going to fight spiritual warfare in the opposite spirit. I will fight. I will come in the opposite spirit. This is critical. Please hear me. This is worth the price of admission today. You need to know this. Spiritual warfare is fought in the opposite spirit. So Jesus says, here's the third group of people. They receive the word, and then they get choked out by life's worries and riches and pleasures. They do not mature. So how do I fight immaturity with the distractions of riches and pleasure and pain? How do I fight that? If I come in the opposite spirit, I fight distraction with discipline. 
You see the difference? Discipline. That means whether the money's good or bad, I'm disciplined. I'm holding on to God's word. When life gets rough, when life gets great, I'm holding on to God's word because I recognize that seasons come, seasons go, but my discipline keeps me from giving into distractions and not maturing in the Lord. And I want to preach a series at, at some point about the whole opposite spirit thing because we can do a deep dive into just that. But it is really, really important that as believers we learn the, the, the critical the critical warfare strategy of coming in the opposite spirit. See, spiritual battles require spiritual solutions. And I can show you this over and over and over in Scripture, but uh, let me just give you a couple of things. Uh, remember this. The Bible calls angels ministering spirits, and demons are fallen angels. So no longer are they ministering spirits. Now they are torturing spirits. They do the exact opposite of what God created them to do. Do you see it? Uh, Satan was, was, was known as, as the angel of light, and now he's the prince of darkness. He's now the opposite of what God created him to do. He, he used to be uh, in charge of worship, and he's bringing glory to God, and now he's doing the exact opposite. He's not bringing glory to God. He wants you to bring glory to yourself. Make you God. It's opposites. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. Want to go up? You got to go down. Everything in spiritual battles is fought in the opposite spirit. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. You see the opposite spirit? So we don't fight fire with fire. That's stupid. It's going to burn everything down. We don't play get even strategies in our marriages. Well, you do that, so I get to do this. Like, good luck. The enemy has attacked your marriage, and you're fighting with the wrong weapons. It don't get fixed that way. That's what everybody else does. And there's a reason why there's a 51% divorce rate. Like you would not jump out of a plane if there was a 51% chance of failure. You wouldn't do that. Nobody would. Well, somebody would. You're probably from Gilmer. And we're going <laughs> to we're gonna help you. No, everything in spiritual warfare is done in the opposite spirit. David, when he's approaching Goliath, he says, You come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. Now, notice he doesn't say, I come at you with a slingshot. He says, I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts whom you have defied this day. You come at me with weapons, I come at you with the name of the Lord. Do you see the difference? Spiritual battles are fought in the opposite spirit. And you can do the exact same thing in spiritual warfare. Come in the opposite spirit. I want to spend a lot of time on that. I really can't do it today, but I, I believe it's important for you to know and if you haven't written down anything else, please write that down. It's really good for you. I come in the opposite spirit. Here's the fourth and final key I want to give you today. In spiritual warfare, when all hell breaks loose, this is what I can do. I can celebrate progress. So instead of just focusing on the issue and focusing on the warfare, focusing on the things that aren't happening, focusing on all the enemy's attacks, don't do that. Focus on the progress. Focus on what God is doing. Focus on the goodness of God. Find ways to bring him praise. Find things to thank him for. Find things to celebrate him publicly for. You would be surprised at the things that will break when you simply choose praise. Praise is a weapon, a powerful weapon. Now, unfortunately, most believers believe that praise is done Sunday morning for about 15 to 20 minutes before the preaching comes. No, 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 no. That's, that's corporate worship. Praise is 24-7. We're, we're, praise is a lifestyle. 
We choose to give God praise in our actions, in our, in our life. Everything that we do, everything that we say should, should, should constantly focus on the goodness of God. And I want to remind you of this. Consistent time in God's word always pays off in progress. So when Jesus says those that hear the word and they have this good and noble heart and they hear it and they retain it, they put it into practice, he said, it will always produce a crop. It always produces good things. There's always stuff coming out of your life that needs to come out, needs to grow, it needs to bear fruit. Always, always, always. Consistent time in God's word will pay off in your life big time. God's word does not return void. It's not a waste of time. It's not something to just do and check a box. It's going to pay off. This is a planting of seed. The seed is the word. I need consistent seed to be planted into my life. And it will produce a crop. And here's the great news. It produces it exactly when I need it. Now, whether you use it or not, that's up to you. But it will produce. The Lord says this about his word in Isaiah chapter 55. God says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it, look at this, always produces fruit. Somebody say, always produces fruit. Let me hear you. Always produces fruit. Fruit, it says, it will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. The moment that you determine to read God's word and allow his word to read you, it begins to plant seed that will produce. There's a fantastic survey that was done by Barna. This was several years ago, and I was shocked at the results. But they began to, uh, to mark people that spent time in God's word and, uh, and tried to determine at what point does it really make a difference. You know, one, two, and three times a week in, in, in multiple people's life, there was zero difference in their behavior, zero difference in their worldview, zero difference in their relationships. It didn't produce a lot, but four was the magic number. You would be shocked to learn all the statistics of things that happen in people's lives the moment that they spent four days a week on a consistent basis in God's word. It would blow your mind. The things that begin to happen in marriages, the things that begin to happen in their understanding of the, of the world and of culture, the things that begin to happen inside their own spirit, I was shocked at the results. Let me just read you a couple of these that happened. Uh, there was a 30% drop in people that felt lonely. 32% of them res, were able to get past anger issues. 40%. Drop in relationship bitterness in marriages. 40% for couples that begin to spend four days a week reading God's word. Uh, alcoholism broke by 50% at four times per week. Check this out. 61% drop in pornography at four times per week. Think about that. I spend a lot of time with men with sexual issues having no clue on how to ever break free from that, thinking I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life. That is not true. You do not have to deal with this for the rest of your life. Let me just tell you this. Jesus came to break the power of every curse. You don't have to live that way. But many of them don't know how. Let me just challenge you. Four times a week in God's word, you've got a 61% chance of success of breaking that power just by spending four days a week in God's word. It ain't as hard as you think. It takes some discipline. You can do this. You know, the chance of, of you sharing your faith, 
When you start reading God's word four times per week, that jumps up 200%. And discipling someone else, speaking into someone else's life, helping them to grow, jumps up 230%. When you make a determination, I'm going to read God's word four times per week. Let me just tell you, it does not return void. It produces a crop. It helps you to become who God has called you to be. You have to be spending time in his word or you're not going to mature. You're certainly not going to last when all hell breaks loose. You've got to be spending time in his word. Four days a week, you're planting seed, and it will produce. It bears progress. You're going to have some amazing wins to share. Let me just tell you, when you spend that time in God's word and things begin to shift and change, you're going to start noticing. It'll take you a little while, but that seed's going to start budding and producing. You're going to look at your life a year from now and be like, that's, I'm not the same person. The same issue I was dealing with before, that's, that's, that's not the same issue anymore. You start seeing victory after victory after victory, breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And I'm continually shocked by the amount of believers that think that I can come to church once a week and hear someone else read the Bible and I'll get my breakthrough. You're starving yourself. You're not able to win in spiritual warfare. Please hear me. I want to challenge you. I want to beg you. I want to push you. I want to dare you. Take four days this week. Spend time in God's word and watch what it produces. And here's another thing. I want to challenge you as your pastor. I want to challenge you this week to do something that perhaps you've never done before, and that's to share your story. We used to call it testimony. Now, testimony used to be Wednesday night once a month. We would pass the mic and have open mic night at church service. And let me just tell you, you better bring a sack lunch. Because we're going to be there for a while. Because if people start talking about the goodness of God and they get stirred up, and like, let me tell you something happened to me. And they would just get each other riled up. And next thing you know, we're celebrating stuff that probably should have remained private, in all honesty. Like, I, Meemaw, don't say that. Oh, no. Start naming names and stuff. Mm. Inappropriate. <laughs> but you start thinking about the goodness of God and the things that are happening. Because there's wins happening. We just forget. And we certainly don't realize the power that happens when we start sharing our wins, the things that God has done. God's done some things for you. Now, when I mention the word testimony, most people think uh, I'm saying, I, I need you to share your life story. That is not what a testimony is. Ain't nobody got time for all that. What is my testimony? A testimony is this. I want to put it on the screen. A testimony isn't your life story. It's a collection of faith steps and God's power. When I was obedient to God's word, when I did what God's word asked me to do and watched God come through with stuff that only he could do, that's a testimony. That's a win. Now, I want to challenge you as your pastor this week to think about something that God has done for you and to share it on social media. And when you do that, I want to ask you to tag us. Tag us at High Ridge LV on Insta or tag us at High Ridge Longview if you're on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, on any of the social media websites that you use or whatever apps that you use. Uh, tag us in a win. But you need to recognize the goodness of God and start sharing a testimony of what he's doing for you. You have life change. If you didn't believe God could change your life, you wouldn't be here today. But I want to encourage you and push you and challenge you at a church, as a church to think about what God is doing in my life and to start bringing him glory and sharing your story a little bit. You don't have to go into all the details. Don't name names. Think about what God's done for you and some progress that you've made. Share a short win. Tie the church. 
Because the rest of us, there's probably, what, 1,000, 1,100 of us now they are going to start reading this. You'd be surprised at the encouragement that would come when you recognize that you've had a victory in your life that somebody else desperately needs to hear. So I want to challenge you. I want to push you. I want to dare you. We need this. There's a lot of people in this place in the middle of some spiritual warfare. All hell has broken loose. Others, you've just come through a time where all hell has broken loose. And you're like, just, just be quiet for a minute. I need to rest. For others, it's about to happen. We need this. We're supposed to draw strength from one another. Scripture says that we are to bear one another's burdens. I want to remind you there's another amazing scripture in the book of Revelation 12. It says they overcame. By the way, they won spiritual warfare. They won against the works of the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I wonder how many victories are we missing out on? Not because Jesus didn't die and go to the cross. Yes, he did. Missing out on the victories in spiritual warfare because we haven't shared the goodness of God. So I want to challenge you as your pastor. Share your story. Share something. Not your life story. Share one thing that God has done or a faith step that you took and how God came through. You have them. Write them down. Share them. Give them, give them to your spouse. Give them to somebody that you can trust and say, hey, make this make sense. Then tag us. Let's share them together. Can we do that? I want to finish up right there if that's all right. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if you're watching online, first of all, I want to say thank you. I want to make an ask of you if you wouldn't mind. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing this message with your family and friends, I think people need to hear this. Many believers have no idea what to do when all hell breaks loose. They just need a little encouragement. And hopefully this will encourage you as much as it encouraged us that were here in person. Share this if you wouldn't mind. Awesome. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to speak specifically to those who are walking through hell right now. It might be an emotional hell. It might be hell in your marriage. It might be hell with your children or grandchildren. Maybe it's a difficult time in your, in your health. For others, you're walking through hell because you, you've been in a church that's, that has hurt you a lot. It might be a theological hell that you're walking through. Well, no matter what label that we put on, put on it, pain is pain. Hell is hell. There's always a spiritual solution. There's always an answer from God's word to help you and meet you where you are if you're humble enough to receive it and if you're willing to actually put it into practice. I want to remind you of a great scripture that says a soft answer turns away wrath. And by the way, that's not just in a conversation between you and the person that you're angry with. That's a soft answer to the inner voice that's speaking to you inside your mind. Telling you things that aren't biblical. You know what the softest answer ever is? Jesus. Just Jesus. Speak his name. Bring the power of the name of Jesus into your situation. And watch things change. Bring the power of God's word into your hell. And watch heaven come down and invade. It's powerful. And you can do this. For those walking through a difficult situation right now, I want to pray for you specifically. And I would ask that you simply open up your hands as a sign of submission and surrender to what the Lord may be imparting to you today. And I believe that as I pray, that God's going to meet you right where you are and give you strength for the battle that you're facing. He'll give you the tactics. 
from God's word that will help you to navigate through the hell that you're walking through. Don't stay in this any longer than you have to. Let's move. Don't get stuck. Don't get stagnant. You've been there before. It doesn't lead you anywhere else but where you've already been. You get stuck there. Don't get stuck. Come on, let's work out of this. You can do it. Father, I pray right now by your strength and by your power, underneath your authority, that you would give absolute clarity to every person seeking it today, those living and walking in confusing times, those who have been hurt emotionally or physically, mentally, theologically, Lord, whatever area of hurt they might be dealing with, I pray that right now you would be the healer, the healer that we need you to be. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Change our hearts as we submit to you. Change the outcome as we submit to you. Change our minds as we submit to you. We don't want what everybody else has. We want what you want. We want your way. We want your will. We want your word, Lord, produce what your word says it will produce. We believe you're a good God, and you want good things for your children. So, Father, we ask that you would come. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I need a relationship with Jesus. You may have never had a, re a real relationship with him. You may have no idea what that is. For others, maybe it's been a long time since you had a real come to Jesus meeting. Maybe it's been a long time since you've talked to him. I want to help you right where you are today. I believe that I can lead you in a prayer. And if you pray this prayer and believe it in your heart, that you can have a relationship with Jesus. And if you've been away from God, you can come home today. It starts with a prayer. Pray this with me right where you are. Say this prayer. I'll tell you what to say. Pray this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died, that you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Take over my life. I give it to you. Forgive me, save me, help me, in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you, if you actually prayed that prayer today, would you be man enough or woman enough to just lift up your hand and say, that was me, Pastor, I did that. I'm not ashamed of it. I did that. I prayed. Good. Good. Anyone else today? I prayed. Good. I see you, young lady. Good for you. Yes, sir. Anyone else today? Perhaps you're watching online and you prayed that prayer with me. I want you to notice that there's a number appearing on the screen behind me in this room, and there's a number appearing on your screen. I want to invite you to text me. Text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, I'm going to send you some things that will help you. They'll encourage you. It's all free. It's my gift to you. I just want to help you. I'm proud of you. Good for you. For everybody else, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. I'm going to invite our elders and their wives up here to the front to be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. It's always a difficult thing for anybody to step out in front of other people and, and come down them and with, with everybody looking at you. I get it. But you need some help. And if you're desperate enough, if you want help enough, I believe that you are ripe for a miracle from God. It's a step of faith. Expect pushback. Expect an attack. The enemy does not want you to get free. He wants you to stay right where you are. Please let us help you. Let us pray for you. It's a good thing.
If you're watching online, you need prayer. Hey, type it in the chat. I need some prayer. We would love to pray for you. It's our greatest joy to help people connect with Jesus and to watch what Jesus is doing on their behalf. It's a good thing. God still moves. Let me remind you of a couple of things. Uh, Beast Feast is happening here in just... Uh, just around the corner, you saw some of the gifts we have in our lobby that we're going to be uh, giving away. Some people are going to be walking away with those. It's going to be awesome. Um, let me just remind you that Pastor Tim also likes to ride on, on a motorcycle. I also need my lawn mowed. So if you're feeling generous, help a brother out. No. We would love to be able to give that to you and watch you walk away with some of those gifts. It's awesome. We have uh, a bunch of very, very generous people that have given uh, some extravagant gifts, and so we get to give those to, to some men that are taking a step of faith and watching God just bless their life. That's going to be awesome. But I would ask you, um, there's only a few tickets left for that, so if you were planning on buying, a, uh, buying tickets at the last minute, your chances are running out probably today. There's 30 tickets left, 30-something. What are we talking about? 31, 31 tickets left. That's it. And uh, so I'm shocked because Longview notoriously waits to the last possible day to buy tickets. This has not happened, and so there's not very many left. So if you want those tickets, you need to get those quickly. Uh, guys, husbands, sons, please. Uh, but would you pray for it? That's the most important thing I want to ask you. Please pray for that event. Uh, please cover it with your prayers. The Lord is going to do some amazing things. Breakthrough is going to happen. Men are going to get rid of toxic masculinity, become biblically masculine, and we're going to watch what happens when men understand who God has called them to be and walk in their purpose. It is an awesome thing to see, and, uh, and I, I would just cover your prayers for that. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out today. I pray that, Lord, you would bless my friends with an incredible week, following after you, walking in the light of your word all week long. I pray for victory in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. Have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.